Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Hey, leaders, welcome to episode 51 of the Leadership Matters Podcast. My name's Jeremy, and I've got a really special LT5, that's a Leadership Top 5 interview for you today. My guest is Aaron Kerr, and I first met Aaron and his wife uh, just a few months ago at the time of this recording anyways at our Pursue Student Conference. He, uh, I invited Aaron to, to be our guest keynote speaker, and from the moment I met Aaron, I knew this dude was the real deal. He just immediately just opened up with just such transparency and authenticity and had such power and passion as he, as he was up there speaking to students. But even off the stage, what I appreciated most was he was the same, whether he was on the platform, off the platform. He's the real deal. And my wife and I got the pleasure of going out for lunch with him and his wife, Dana. And uh, we just hit it off right away, and, and they immediately became friends. And so it was a real pleasure to be able to interview him and ask some of my top five leadership questions to Aaron today. Now, Aaron and his wife, Dana, currently are the location site pastors at Vivid Church in downtown Toronto. It's only like a year and a half old. They opened up in the midst of a pandemic on Zoom, actually. And so uh, just been back to uh, meeting in person recently since November, I believe. So real fresh for them. And they're just getting going. The main campus being uh, Vivid Church out in Vancouver, which is led by uh, Pastor Justin Reimer. And so uh, I want to get to the conversation. It's a lengthy one today, but I know it's going to help uh, any leaders out there. And we went in all sorts of different directions and unpacked some thoughts. And just uh, this was a really intriguing conversation. So here it is, my conversation with Aaron Kerr. Got Aaron Kerr here. Aaron, why don't you uh, just tell our guests a little bit about what you're currently, uh, your current context for ministry and just what you're up to, you and your wife there, and uh, kind of what led you to where you are currently, just to, uh, to introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah, Jeremy, great to great to see you and just thank you again for this uh, this platform. But yeah, no, definitely um, excited to be here. My, my wife and I, uh, my beautiful wife, Dana and I started ministry um, uh, about 15 years ago, um, and uh, we launched uh, a fresh church plant at that time called Daily Hope Church. And so that was our vision. That was our uh, leaning at that time. And so we launched fresh. I mean, we're, we're talking literally three people, got a worship leader, and wow. the two of us are are you know, banging it out. We're, we're, yeah. we're figuring it out, walking through, uh, some of that, you know, fresh starts and I'm playing the drum, uh, and everything is going. I mean, we're launching literally, uh, in the city of Mississauga, uh, okay. and, uh, we're enjoying, enjoying Jesus with that. And so my wife and I, we started that and, you know, walked through, um, that level of ministry for about seven years. And, uh, we were able to, I guess, see growth in, in different areas right. of, of life, see, see different cultures and ethnicities come together, uh, great diversity um, from all different areas of life. And, and that yeah. was the beautiful thing. That was something my wife and I were definitely about wanting to see um, that multicultural, multi-ethnic uh, area. And so 
that was something God was was able to bless us with in that moment. And uh, we continued steadfast. Uh, don't get me wrong with with ministry. There's always the the ups and downs. Sure. And so we we push through, and uh, by God's grace, we we've been able to see success. We've been able to see growth and maturity and strength um, through that ministry. And so we we devoted ourselves, dedicated ourselves for seven years to Daily Hope Church. And okay. along that pathway, um, yeah, God was able to transition us into something um, amazing, partnering um, with uh, pastors Justin and Jennifer Reimer out in Vancouver. Um, we got to partner with them. And uh, to this day, we can officially say that we are now a location of okay. them uh, here in Toronto, So, which is called Vivid Church. Uh, and we are the Toronto location. So that's been our transition over the COVID and, yeah. you know, walking through certain things there and uh, being able to say, you know what, hey, we just we feel in this good moment um, where God has us that he really uh, wants us to do something more. And so wow. I think that was something that really spoke truth to us, that even in the good, um, God is still speaking and wanting us to do even something greater. And so it wasn't a matter of disappointment or failure or just giving up. No, it was actually because things were were very sweet and and great. And we just really loved um, the both of them and uh, decided to take that leap of faith. And and now today, uh, Dana and I are the pastors of a location church here in Toronto, Vivid Church, downtown Toronto. And um, yeah, just excited for what Jesus is doing there. So, yeah. Very cool. And how old is Vivid Church? You're uh, you're the Toronto location for Vivid Church. How old is your location? Like, tell us just like, this is pretty fresh, right? Like kind of midst of the pandemic. Like, when did you get started with the Toronto location? So so we started literally on Zoom. Um, That was the exciting part. Yeah, we started online. Uh, You know, the difficulty when it comes to uh, ministries and and how we thrive if, if we're actually thriving surviving sure. uh, in in those areas and we were yeah. literally um, just all bunched up on zoom and uh, we walked through um, a culture course pretty much through like about 12 weeks and uh, it wow. was it was phenomenal and I, and I have to give credit you know to my wife honestly just keeping everyone connected keeping everyone together. Sure. And, and just making it fun, honestly. And there's only so much you can do on Zoom to make yep. it fun. So you, you can yep. imagine what we're pulling, what we're trying to do. Um, I'm doing cartwheels. I'm flipping yeah. back, you know, yeah. I'm doing all kinds of things to try to let people know I'm connected, you know, stay, stay close, sure. we're here, sure. you know. And and so we, we launched that. And so officially today, we are about a year and a half um, wow. into it. Okay. And uh, we just launched in person November last year. So we have been in person every Sunday, four o'clock uh, since, since November okay. last year. So it's, it's been a blessing. Amen. Okay. Yeah. So you said four o'clock on Sunday. So why, why that time? Interesting time to you know meet what? for, uh, yeah. for, for, I mean, nothing's, nothing's, uh, I guess that, that new or, um, interesting anymore is so many churches are getting creative with their times, but I, I'm just interested just why four, why 4 PM? Yeah, no, definitely. And it was something that we both questioned for quite some time because we've, we've been used to, you know, morning service and even sure. early afternoon. So we're coming from that. And um, I think in the past, what, what we've noticed in just uh, the community that we were reaching and where we were located, um, a lot of people were, were very much, uh, I guess, 
not for the early morning get up. And so we've noticed that a lot of people are just not wanting to push out uh, in the early mornings and even the afternoons, there's always something going on, but the four o'clock slot really worked um, for us in the sense of just arranging and organizing because there was a a real in-depth setup and pull down situation that we had to do at the location as well. Uh, And so with an existing church there as well, um, we figured with the length of time it takes to set up and put things away and different things, it kind of gave us that better time slot to work through those things. If we needed to add things later on, um, as, as we've been forming team and getting used to equipment and now adding different things along the way, it actually worked uh, for us that as we added things, we had the time to really pour into training and working with team and things like that. So it definitely afforded us a lot more, uh, a better time management for us to effectively work the service and and put things together as best as we could. So that, that kind of, yeah, it's been a journey. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm sure there's lots of tweaking and adjusting as you go as well especially in the exactly. midst of a pandemic and now coming out of that, being able yeah. to meet in person. Um, that's awesome. Very, very cool. Well, Aaron, I, I do want to get to some, some leadership um, questions here in just a moment, but before we get to that, just um, tell us a little bit about what life was like growing up. Like what got you into ministry in the first place? Did you always know as a young boy that you would be a pastor one day, or was that something you avoided like some do? And then God got like, tell us a little bit the journey to, uh, to what got you into, uh, into vocational ministry in, in the first place. Yeah. Great, great question. Um, I will start honestly with, with my father, my parents, my mom and dad, um, were pastors as well, still pastors to this day, okay. um, grew up in church. I would never say I was born right into it, but definitely, um, you know, raised in church and right. did everything that you can imagine from, uh, cleaning the carpets to vacuuming, to washing the toilets, cleaning, you know, cleaning the offices, sure. wiping down every chair, doing all of those things, um, and just being faithful, honestly, in serving. Mm. And, and we learned a lot through that. I have three younger siblings as well. I'm the oldest of four. Okay. And so we all kind of, you know, were reared in that, grown in that. And um, grown in the sense of just really always taught to serve at any capacity possible, giving right. all of who you are. Right. Um, God comes first. Everything was about church first. Everything is second. And that was kind mm. of the... The platform that was laid, the foundation that was laid, um, being on time, you know, um, always whatever it is that we put our hands to do, give it with all your heart kind of thing. Right. And so raised in that. And um, honestly, over the years, I think uh, as a PK, if I could say that, um, yeah. yeah, as a PK, it's it, it was one of those challenges where you get so used to doing the same thing all the time to the point of where you're like, you weren't allowed to do a lot of other things. Right. And so in, in moments of growing in ministry and youth ministry, I was the youth director slash drummer slash moderator. <laughs> we had that in the, in the day, if anybody knows what that is. Wow. Um, yeah, doing, doing all of those things. And it literally came to a point where, honestly, I just I felt tired. I felt like hmm. um, my teen years and those years of where I would you know, hopefully be able to do certain things was not allowed because a lot of things were done on Sunday and Sunday church came first. So I wasn't able to play soccer on Sundays or do sports or do camps or do activities or do certain things that I knew I really wanted to do. And 
get involved with. And literally it became a strain where I said, no, there's got to be something where there's a balance. There's got to be right. a medium where I can, you know, be able to still have fun. And uh, I know that word is kind of used loosely, but have fun and just let Jesus, I'm, I'm still a part of the kingdom. I'm still, yeah. you know, still can be connected yeah. and and still serve faithfully um, right. with that. So yeah, that was kind of some of the years coming through that. And, and that literally had me pull right into Bible college right after high school. That's where the transformation started to happen in terms of okay. my dedication really towards God and just seeing now that this was something that I really wanted to do. And unfortunately, like most, I ended up leaving my father's church and went to another ministry and developed a little bit more and ended up becoming a youth director um, at that church and okay. started from there. So yeah. really just started to grow and lean in and uh, take on that, you know, teachable spirit, just learning and growing in that. And, um, I think that's where I started now to see that it was something that I really enjoyed. It was racing people come to life. Honestly, right. that is just amazing seeing habits change and God mm -hmm. just, you know, his power working in people. And that's what infused that passion to just say, I, I want to do this. I really sure. want to get involved. And if I'm going to do this, I want to do it right. So right. studies right. became a priority going to classes and, mastering what it is that God gave me or put in front of me was something that I was just like, I got to be faithful to mm -hmm. that. And that's where that passion really grew. So yeah, I would say that's kind of some of the, the journey there, yeah. um, you know, after coming through ministry with, with my parents and, and all of that, but definitely a great foundation that was laid in my heart to take sure. that next step and, and do that. Yeah, sure. No, that's really, yeah. Really good, Aaron, and thank you for your transparency there. I, I think, you know, I share a similar background to, you know, anytime the church doors were open, I've said it on this podcast before, I had to be there, you know, very religious, ritualistic, if you will. So you mentioned just a moment ago, you said, you know, I, I, I wondered if there was a balance where you could still have fun and yet you know, be in the kingdom, included in the kingdom. And so I was just reading this morning, you know, Jesus yoke was easy, that easy yoke, you know, and I'm just wondering, I'm just curious, um, just on that note, like how much of that your childhood and just it being, uh, it sounds like very religious uh, as well, and, you know, rules, and you can't do that. How much of that has played into now what you and Dana do as you lead your own works in this Toronto location? Like, are you constantly conscious of that? Like, we don't want to become this religious, you know, um, does that play into your leadership today? Or do you think, you know, that's, that was kind of in my past, and I don't really think about it anymore? Yeah, I think, amazing question. I think that, there are parts of when we use the term rules and regulations that actually play a fundamental um, role uh, in your life and leadership. And I think there are some things in everything that you do. There are some things that honestly you realize don't work for you. Right. And then there are some things that are actually valuable to you. Hmm. And, and, and one thing I'll say is that everybody is valuable, but not everybody gives equal value to you. And so right. there were some things that I realized from my dad that there were some areas of hurt that were expressed, I think, through ministry. Okay. And a lot of that got entangled 
with a lot of things that he was doing and trying to see and trying to envision. And I think with that, you can, you can have hurt and lead, but you can't lead with hurt. Like you, you can, Mm -hmm. you can't do that thing where you're just like the expression of what you see is so beautiful, but then the hurt is in that picture of it as well. And so you've got to balance um some of those areas of just for myself I said to Dana I said you know what honestly honey one thing that I saw was that there was a lot of control on what for example my mom would do or families would do or you know siblings would do and I said to my wife I said honestly listen I want you one thing that we that we took out of all of us was that I want you to do what you feel called to do I don't want you know the typical signal of you know, pastor's wife needs to do sure. this. And yeah. we had a term back in the traditional sense called a first lady. There wasn't any yeah. of that. Like we weren't trying to right. walk down that, that path, but we were trying to redefine. I think that's good, you know, for my wife, that there was something you were called to do and yeah. you should be able to do that um, with the wholeness of who you are, that's right. the, authentic, the authenticity of who you are as well. And, yeah. and so over the years, she took time to actually get to that place. She wasn't running the mm. women. She wasn't doing worship. She wasn't doing hospitality. So um, she was literally in the back, just praying with me and praying for me. And she would step into areas that she felt in that moment needed to right. be filled and then would sit back down, you know, take, take a breather. So yeah. to this day, I think if we allow people to take their time to see where God has called them, I think that that is, something where it is kind of tough, especially with a, a smaller ministry, or you're trying to, you know, get a hold of certain things that, you know, as soon as people come in, you're wanting that, that gap to be filled, obviously, sure. right. But sure. I think there's a patience and the leaning that, that we need to uh, exude as well. And so that was something that we took, that I took personally, that I said, right. I, I want my wife to feel comfortable, I want her to adjust and do what God has called her to do, not what I think she should do, right. you know, based on tradition and, 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 how it was brought up in that. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. I, uh, I think that's so important, um, especially for ministry couples today, you know, regardless of who the leader is, or they both might be co-leading, uh, we know all sorts of people in ministry and it, all sorts of different setups. And sometimes the spouse wants to be involved. Sometimes they feel called yeah. to something completely different and that's okay too, right? There's all types of uh, scenarios out there. So I think that's really good that you've you know, that you guys have made it together, made that decision to give each other space, you know, to find out what, what, what are the passions in your heart? And um, I I think that's awesome. All right. I do want to move into some, uh, some of my top five questions. I love asking leaders and um, Aaron, I know church planting, you mentioned that's kind of, that was kind of your start, you know, back with daily hope church and church planning, as you know, is no joke. Like it's, it's work. It is slugging a lot of hard work and you're setting up and tearing down week after week. And sometimes it's minimal amounts of people and, and even help. And sometimes you're doing it all like leading while you're playing drums. And, you know, you mentioned it a moment ago. So I, I'm curious as to what your most effective personal discipline has been over all these years in ministry um, you know, outside of the, the typical stuff like prayer and Bible reading, where uh, I'm assuming those are givens and, and your, you know, daily devotion to the Lord. Um, 
But what what's talk to us about a personal discipline outside of those that has yielded maybe the most results in your life and leadership up to this point that, you know, if you only had one to go like, I've got to do this, it's kept me in the game, it's kept me healthy, my soul, like this is it for me. Yeah, no, that that is an amazing, amazing question. I think with with everything, um, I purpose for myself a health over growth. I think mm-hmm. that was a discipline that I had to really challenge myself, even from young, seeing the toxicity sometimes with family and with um, couples and so forth. Like just growing up, seeing certain young people and certain things. Right. So there was something that. I determined for myself to to not worry about crowd, to not worry about how many, to not worry about you know how far am I am I at the place where I need to. I, I stopped evaluating what I thought other people were evaluating, mm. and it was a d- discipline for myself to actually just say, you know what, I need to really listen to the right voices. And and don't get me wrong, there's many times I haven't. But I determined for myself out of health, I need to listen to the right voices. Um, I need to learn from the right people. Mm. Um, That is something truly that I had to muster up a lot of movement. I believe ministry is movement. I believe God Mm. honors movement. I believe there are times that, yes, we can complain what we're under, but that's because God maybe wants us to move and be connected to something else or hear another voice. There's nothing wrong with an additional voice. There's nothing wrong with hearing something that sounds different than what you've maybe been under for such right. a long time. So right. learning from the right people, loving with the right motive, that was something as well. Um, training myself to make sure that what I'm doing, I'm not trying to compare. I'm not trying to compete. I'm The comparison factor is a race for me. I am going to be comfortable in my skin, in the way in which God is showing me, and then lead with the right spirit with something as well. You know, like I got to make sure in everything, as David said, please, God, give me the right spirit, creating me the right spirit, and then finally live with the right purpose. And so these were some things that really stuck with me um, when I determined for myself that I need to look at how am I dealing with stress? How am I dealing with anxiety in that young, in, in the young moments of my life? And right. believe it or not, even being so young, I had to take on a lot of, I had to mature very quickly in a lot of things sure. just so that I could understand where I was heading, who I was around and, and how I could navigate um, myself around people who looked so well and coming from a different spectrum of ministry. And for myself, I felt like I had nothing to offer. And so I was like, was, was it enough that I came through ministry with just my dad and my mom and learning that rough area of, you know, my, my, my family dynamic was more so of the more people that would leave the church. It was like, you were doing the gospel than opposed to actually gathering people. I'm I'm just going to be totally upfront. And and maybe this is for someone listening. And so it was something where I had to really believe that the health of having more people was, was helpful. It was a matter of seeing people gather together for the sake of the gospel, coming together as one fellowship and commune and all of those things and see church growth. 
Um, I, I grew up in a system where if your church got so big, something was wrong with actually being bigger wow. than, than opposed okay. to that kind of thing. So that was where I was coming from, a totally different yeah. side. And when I talk to people now, they're like laughing. They're like, whoa, Aaron, come on, really? <laughs> come on. Is that really what you, sure. you know, but yeah, that was the, the traditional sense, the mindset of, of what I was taught and what I was told that when you're really preaching the gospel, you're not supposed to have a lot of followers. And I said, whoa, like, where did we wow. get that? Where did yeah. we get that from? So I had to put health over growth so I could see clearly. My mind could be focused on hearing the right voices. And from that moment on, I had to move from what I was under um, so that I could hear someone speak life into me, purpose into me, and strengthen uh, the hurt that I was right, feeling right. and turned it into, into power, you know, and what God was really wanting to do. So yeah, that was kind of oh, the, the journey there. That's good. And what is, what does personal health look like for you, Aaron? Like when you're starting to go off the rails or, you know, you mentioned anxiety or just or comparing or competing, like, are there certain signs or metrics? Like, you know, okay, I've got to get away. I've got to get some quiet time. I'm starting to, you know, I find my, like, how, how do you know when you're starting to go off or do you um, just to, you know, on, on the personal side of things as a minister of the gospel? Yeah, no, I think now I can throw in that word fun. I think from mm. being over, um, for being around a lot of ministries where it honestly being around people who were just down to earth could actually talk about anything. And I right. think that's where we've created, I think sometimes a lot of safe places, but not safe people. Mm. And I think it's where I realize that God was allowing me to be around certain individuals that I could just offload anything. I, right. I could say anything. I could cry. I could laugh. I could scream. I could, you know, and so these were moments where I would take time away and my wife and we would go to like, whether it was their cottage or they would go, you know, go down by the lake or I would, sure. you know, have people who would actually just say, Hey, we need to talk. We need to find out what's going on outside of church. Like, I don't want to even talk about church. I just want to talk about right. you. Yeah. I just want to hear about you. Like mm -hmm. what's your next step, you know, personally. And so I started to develop areas in my life where I started to find out I, I loved design. I loved fashion. I loved, I just by talking to people, I, I found a different creative side of me that was yeah, just opening good. up outside of the church and the pulpit and people and all of that. And began to just really grow in that health and that, that purpose that I felt God was really showing me. And so to this day, um, I, I think there are a couple of things. I really take the time to pursue um, my personal talents and giftings, things that I enjoy doing outside of that. And, and so I make time for that. I lock away and I'll say, Hey, you know, this particular day is for me and my wife to pursue this, to do that. Um, I think there's, there's a verse and I just want to read this. Actually, it, it says, um, Psalms 34, 5, it says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Wow. And it, it brought me to a place. It was a verse that I held for years that every time I look to God, I'm radiant. I am alive. I don't look within and get miserable. Wow. Um, I don't look around and get distracted. 
I look up and I hear from heaven and I get inspired. Wow. Like that's, that's, that's what good. I do every single day. I do that. And I just say, listen, I'm at this place in my life where I am getting older now. The years are, you know, accumulating, things are happening and believe it or not, you know, I need to make sure I'm investing in who I am as a person, because God forbid, uh, ministry at the end of the day is not just pastoring. Pastoring is not going to take me under. It's not going to take me yeah. to 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 the grave. I'm going to believe that there is something even outside of that that God is still using yeah. to reach people, to connect people, and that they'll encounter, you know, who He truly is. So, yeah, that's oh, that's, that's where it is. Thank you yeah. for uh, expounding on that, going a little deeper there in yeah. that area. I want to move to uh, to marriage, relationship. You and Dana have been married a, a number of years now. And uh, I'm just wondering, maybe it was a piece of practical advice back when you were younger, or maybe something you guys have established and, and you know, kind of uncovered that's worked really well for you guys that you've uncovered and unpacked together. But I'm just wondering a, a piece of practical advice in regards to building a healthy marriage um, what's something you guys do? And again, maybe this was given to you by, maybe you stole it from another couple that you guys looked up to when you were younger or what, or maybe you've come across it or read it somewhere, but give us, give us a little insight into your marriage relationship. Cause I just think there are way too many, especially in ministry, way too ministry, too many ministry marriages that are falling apart. And I know there's a target, especially on, on ministry marriages specifically, there's a target on the, the, the enemy has. And so I'm just wondering, you know, maybe one or two things that you guys do really to guard that and, and to, uh, to, to really, um, to really ensure there's health there and you're not just surviving, right. As so many couples can find themselves doing, but you're actually thriving in your relationship. So good. No, I think um, I think it's something that is not talked enough about, to be honest. And, and yeah. I know there's a lot of conferences, a lot of podcasts as well. But I think there's something um, within at least my circle, and maybe this is where I still need to uh, look beyond sometimes. But within our, and I'm just going to be totally honest, our Caribbean culture, um, it is something that is truly hidden. And I just want to be totally transparent. It's something that we don't wow. acknowledge. We don't talk about. We, we feel like it's a strength to not talk about it. Okay. And I've, I've grown up in ministries and been taught that the man is supposed to lead the ministry and the woman is hidden. And it is such a dangerous philosophy that we have brought, a, a dangerous idea that we have brought to the forefront where when you walk into a lot of the ministries that I grew up in, you would never see the wife at all. The, the woman was always hidden in the back or it was someone who really? was just supposed to be, you know, told to like not be involved and only involved when you're called upon. And, you okay. know, and it, I'm not going to go down the road of women in ministry. I won't touch that today, but just how that has affected um, uh, certain denominations and certain right. cultural churches yeah. that I grew up in. It, it made me scared to even step out and just be like, okay, is this even right? Is this something that yeah. even though God is now showing me something different, am I, am I doing this the right way? Am I rebelling? And so my wife um, came from the Methodist background. I, I grew up 
when you would call it the uh, apostolic movement, the apostolic sure. movement, yep. which was a oneness movement. And, right. you know, coming through ministry together, she was getting to understand me. I was getting to understand her. And I mean, she came from actually the free Methodist, which is actually a little bit more uh, contemporary in certain areas right. in, yep. in understanding the Holy Spirit and, and other sure. things like that. And then I'm coming from the charismatic, you know, drums are going, we're, we're yeah. clapping at everything. Yeah. We're, we're jumping, you know, <laughs> and so she's walking into this, meet this crazy guy. I'm bringing her to my church and she's like, what is this? Like, what's, what's going on here? It's, yeah. it's a shock. Yeah. And she can't clap to begin with. Like she's trying her best <laughs> to keep up and I'm, you know, I'm laughing, I'm, I'm having yeah. fun. And uh, long story short, in the middle of that, the pastor at that time, this church that we were attending, calls her out and says that we want to pray for salvation on her. And oh, no. this is the, 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 the thing that hurt me so much with our cultural churches. We were told that when they look a certain way, if they're not doing certain traditions, if they're not following certain protocols, if they're not following what the Bible suggests uh, as to how women should look or appear right, or do right. certain things, we we come away thinking that that person is not saved. Mm-hmm. And I remember that particular service, and I'm, I'm saying all of this to bring a point, is that when she got called out, I literally had to go and grab my wife and whisper in that moment to the pastor's ear and say, listen my wife believes in Jesus. Yeah. She, she's not here rededicating wow. or committing or trying to get saved. Um, yeah. This is my yeah. wife. I'm a pastor yeah. as well. And I literally had to do that in front. And I know many would just be like, okay, you know what, Aaron, just let it happen. You know, talk sure. to her after sure. or whatever. But I wanted that moment. I felt God really had challenged me in that moment to break that cycle that, that mm-hmm. seems to hold. And I'm talking to more of our cultural people who might be listening today and just wondering that they, they might, you know, bring reference to that or be, be able to relate to what I'm yeah. saying that they grew yeah. up in that kind of thing and realized that it was just honestly condemnation. It was control. It was, we only see what we see and, and that's it. And so I right. say that to say that our marriage took a hit at that point where we literally had to sit down and say, you know, babe, what are we, what are we focusing on right now? What is it that we want for ourselves so that we don't have to face something like that again? Yeah. And, and I want to challenge someone today that sometimes we've been sitting in the same thing for so long. And the reason why we haven't had a different outlook is because we refuse to move. We refuse to get away because grandmother told us this and the great, great, great went there and my mother and father still go there and and we remain under this this control this system that is mm. literally destroying us inwardly and we're wondering why our marriages are not connected the way it should is because sometimes there's some beliefs that we're under there's some things that we're under that are creating wow. this division and this stress and so we found for us and I'm just saying for us we yep. found in that moment it was really putting us apart to that point, my wife said, you know what, honestly, Aaron, until we can figure out something, I don't want to attend anything like that again. I don't want yeah. to be around anything like that. And so we had to walk through uh, a number of things that we believe, a number of things that we've been told, things that I've been taught. And I had to slowly peel those layers and really get down to the root 
of what is the point of all of this? Like, what are, who are we serving? Why are we serving? What are we going to do? And so in those moments, my wife and I, as we progressed in ministry, we, we found a church that we felt was right for us. We could be ourselves. We could worship freely. And it wasn't that we were wanting freedom. It was the fact that we knew God had called us to something greater than the mundane and the materialistic things. There was something that God wanted to do in our spirit. And I think that's where I want to kind of just reside in this moment is that for my wife and I, that's what we do to get over. That's what we do in our marriage consistently is when we don't see eye to eye or when we're not in that same lane of looking at things the same way we hold hands and we, and we pray, we pray, hmm. we pray, we say, God help us in these moments to be able to uh, adjust because I always believe she's not going to see what I'm going to see, but if she has my heart, she will eventually see it and vice versa. Well, yeah. we may not see yeah. the same things, but when we have the heart for it, it will connect in the right way. And so we know that God speaks to the heart and the heart is what he's able to turn and what he's able to use, the Bible says. And so we believe that if we just align our hearts to his will, we may not see it, but we know he'll connect us in the right and, and proper fashion of what he's called us to. And so we had to walk through a number of that. And to this day, we are so uh, intertwined with how we communicate, how we talk about God, how we introduce Jesus to people, uh, what spaces to stay away from, if I can even alert that, what yeah. situations to avoid and right. not be around. Even certain people, we can already tell what the, where the conversation is going to go. And we're like, nope, let's nip that right away. Yeah. Let's get into a safe space. Let's talk about something different. Let's change the course of the that's conversation and, and, and see Jesus in all that we do. You know, oh, That's powerful. And uh, yeah, I just commend you for, you know, I, I think it shows your spouse early on. You mentioned that situation, that scenario back early on in your marriage that you actually took a stand and your, your, your spouse then, but as a result is able to see, wow, I am priority after God. I am next for Aaron, you know, for my husband, I, I am next in line, which is the way our marriages should be. And too often they get, down the the you know the line in terms of our priorities and and become after ministry or after this or or after this hobby or whatever the case may be for listeners out there but I think that that really did set the tone for you guys and and has continued I know that's that's definitely uh your second priority after after God and being faithful to him is is being faithful to your wife I just know that about you and the time I've spent with you so Thank you for sharing that. Um, in in terms of being, you guys live in, in Toronto and we've got listeners all over the place. So we'll just say Toronto. I know it's kind of a suburb of Toronto. You're in Brampton area, but that won't make sense to people outside of Canada. But um, you, you guys are in Toronto there and you, uh, you guys reside there, even though Vivid Church, I know your location is more downtown area of Toronto. But in terms of, of and I, I love asking this to, to ministers, to pastors especially, because I think sometimes in ministry, in my observation anyways, is we can become almost professionals. We can become so great at telling people to do the very things that we're not doing ourselves. And I know, you know, as ministers, we're to equip the saints for the work of the I, I get all that, yet 
it doesn't exclude us from the Great Commission ourselves in making disciples. And so my question to you is more on the uh, the mission-minded sense of living on mission. How do you, as a busy leader, stay on mission in your own lives, in your community? Um, again, we can just become so good at telling others that they need to do that in our churches and the people of Vivid Church, uh, specifically for you. But how do you make sure that you're allotting time? And it, what does that look like for you as you guys attempt to live on mission in your community where you guys reside right now? Yeah, that's uh, so good. I think with location, I think since COVID, and I definitely have to bring up COVID, I, I think there's been such a difference in a lot of people's passions and drive towards even just attending church, being missional. Um, the fire that we had before, if if, if I was to totally be honest, has definitely uh, adjusted, has changed in a lot of people's lives. I think there's been sure. something where, you know, um, we've come more to a comfort state than opposed to really realizing the, necess the, the, the necessity in being in church and being missional and approaching and, and actually still serving, if that's the best way to, mm. to put it. I think for, for myself, I had to um, really take stock in um, training myself again, developing myself again, um, keeping myself constantly in reading, in, in following up with the, the ongoing um, stories and news of what you would hear in the city of different right. pastors and leaders and what they would do to kind of um, keep themselves afloat. And you, you would hear of so many moments. I, I had a very close friend and, and this was someone, uh, I won't mention the name, but someone in the States and um, great, great leader, great um, uh, entrepreneur as well, did so many things for mental health and, and was assisting a lot of leaders and ministers in that direction because we, let's just face it, we were all dealing with some sort of yeah. mental health yeah. um, or mental illness, even just during that time. And and so I remember so vividly in my mind that we, we would have a conversation. This would have been pre-COVID and hearing him one day call me and say that he was going through so much anxiety. He didn't know how he was going to continue commuting and reaching people. He himself didn't even want to talk to people anymore. And, and this is a pastor. This was someone who was so engaged and so involved. Yeah. Wow. And would, would show up to, you know, that kid's graduation on one thing. And then he yeah. would talk to that couple who needed counseling or he would have those coffee visits and, you know, catching up and doing all of those things and came to the point where he just said, I can't do it anymore. Like, I feel stuck. I feel like I'm frozen. Like, I just don't have the drive, the motivation anymore to just push out. Because right now I'm just trying to care for myself. I'm yeah. trying to care for yeah. my wife. I'm trying to care for my kids. And so I think that's where COVID in a sense, took a hold of him. And um, unfortunately, to this day, um, I remember vividly just hearing that he ended up taking his life uh, in the early 30s, oh, wow. leaving two two boys behind, a wife. And, and just to hear that he gave up um, on life, that there wasn't someone around, um, or maybe there was, but just some, some way in his uh, in his way of thinking that it wasn't worth it to stay around. It wasn't worth it to mm. continue living. 
And so I think in all the missional aspect and what we do from day to day, you have to, um, and when I say health and not even health in, in having fun, but health and actually just saying no, I think there's a miracle in saying no. I think there is mm. a blessing when you actually pull away and just yeah. say, you know what? Like, I don't need to do the 42 weeks. I don't need to preach all the time. I don't need right. to visit all the time. And, and just having those moments of, you know, rest and, 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 and peace and tranquility and, and having those moments where you can just say, you know what, I'm going to stay away, get some time for myself to um, actually take stock. So write out personal things. So this is what I do, honestly. Um, I, I write out things that I'm that I'm dealing with. I, I ask myself questions. I say to myself, like, why are you acting this way? Why are right. you responding this way? How could you have done that better? How could you have done that more effectively? And and one thing that God was just constantly reminding me of, and, and hopefully this is an encouragement, is that we are just a cup. I, I'm just gonna say, it. like, we yeah. are just a cup. We are just a cup, and we are, and when I look at the cups in my house, um, no one gets to choose these, these things in, in my house don't get to choose what I pour into them. Right. Uh, they are vessels, they are vessels, and neither do they get to decide who drinks from them. Like they're vessels. And we are, we are called to pour the best way to live as a believer is to be poured out is to be poured out. Yeah. We were made to pour out compassion. We were made to pour out love. And if we don't take that time, to be able to be healthy to someone and, and, and take that, that, that space to be able to nurture those great gifts that God has deposited within us. All we're going to do is just give out something that isn't real. And I just mm -hmm. want to be totally honest about that. I feel like our poor for many leaders right now is, is based on preferences and opinions. Like that's all we have today. Like we're not genuinely wow. pouring ourselves out because we've been doing it for so long. Yeah. And, and when you do something for so long, it, it becomes a routine. It doesn't become real. Mm. I, I just want to be honest. It, it, it just develops into a routine. And sometimes we lose the realness, the, 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 yeah. the depth, the right. authenticity of what it truly meant for me a long time ago to say, like, why did you get into this then? Yeah. Why are you, why are you really a part of ministry? Like, are you losing the goal again? Are you losing the reason, the meaning behind it? And so I, I have to constantly, consistently read and study. And um, I, I'm just going to say this. You need Jesus and therapy. I, I, took, yeah, I did therapy. I did, I, did, I did. Yeah, you, I took time to get counseling and to get help. Yeah. And, to, and even when I didn't feel like I was depressed or I didn't feel like I was going through it, like I wasn't trying to kill myself or take advantage of myself or do anything that I knew was of harm to myself. Sure. But I did it in the moments because I know that it would help me in the time that I would need it. And wow. I think many of us need to start doing things now, not when we need it. That's good. I think we That's need to do it now. So it saves us from when we need it, because when we need it, our minds are in totally different spaces. Yeah. And that's what I learned from my friend who unfortunately is not here today, because maybe in some small way, we should have already started. I think, and this is again, culturally for me, pastors and leaders and churches that I grew up in, we were told you don't need these things. You yeah. don't involve yourself yeah. with these things. Jesus is strong enough. He's yeah. the only thing that you need. Just read your Bible, pray every day. 
you have a wrong spirit if you do this. No, I am openly saying this. Do it now, even while things are going well. Have those conversations. Talk about it. Deal with it. And I, when I re- make reference to the cup, um, that is what we are. We are vessels. God pours in grace so that a broken world can taste and see that he is good. That is what we are about. If we can't do those things, if we can't pour out fresh oil every single time, I think there is something, and don't get me wrong, you know, we we have moments, we have, uh, we, we make mistakes, we do these things, but there is something that God wants us to lead from a healthy place and be able to do it consistently in a manner that, yeah, I may feel something, but what I'm pouring into you is actually the right substance. It's pure. It's from a good intention. It's from a good motive because I know I'm still working on me as well as God is working on you, you know? So that's what, yeah, that's all I can say about that. Oh, that's, that's great. And I I think you're right. I think many times uh, we become reactive, you know, instead of when we could be proactive, right. In terms of our own spiritual health, our, our soul, you know, and what's really going on inside, there is this mindset as ministers often that we have to look like we've got it all together. Right. Or, or, and I think for a lot of people, it's underneath that is fear, right. The fear of, of people will stop following them or listening to them or, uh, not going to listen. I, but like you said, I'm, I think it, there's this authenticity piece that I don't think that's the case at all. I think it makes us real. It makes us human. And when we're more human, we're more in touch with other humans and able to relate and minister actually. So good. Yeah. Right. We, yeah. we do lead from our strengths, but we connect through our weaknesses. And wow, so I, re- I, re- I remember some of the most powerful, I remember one of the most powerful messages. I still remember it to this day. I was a teenager sitting in youth camp and I remember the speaker got up and started and he started with this. He was like, you know what? I met, I didn't do my devotions this morning. I didn't read the Bible today. And I was like, okay, what is this guy saying? But it ha- he had me because it was the first time somebody, a speaker wow. on stage, you know, you hear the evangelist and they're, you should read your Bible this and you should, but he was so <laughs> real. I connected immediately. I'm like, and I took a deep breath. Like I literally took a deep breath and I was like, oh, okay. He's human. Like, I don't have to like wow. strive so hard, you know, God ex- still on, accepts me and on. loves me. Right. And That's I it. think there's That's so it. much to be said about that, um, that we are, we are more on mission when we're actually real and, uh, when we're being proactive with our own, with our own health, it's good. Yeah. Uh, you've been in ministry for a while now and, uh, we know, you know, we read it in scripture, Paul said, you know, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon our lives. Right. And, and yet in the same, you know, James, our lives are but a breath, right. We were just this, you know, this vapor and we, we, none of us know how many days we have, um, but still in an effort to be a good steward of this life. And you just mentioned it, we're vessels, right. We're, we're a cup. I love that analogy. And so how do you, you know, go about making sure, and you alluded to some of this just a moment ago, even you, 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 
reference journaling and writing things out and just having people in your life that you could be just your complete self. You're not on, right? Like having those outlets. So you've mentioned a bunch of things already. I'm just wondering if there's anything else, maybe a guardrail, a boundary when it comes to your character as a leader, because we do see so many leaders just in that we hear about it and the media loves to elevate these things of another minister. Oh, here we go again. You know, another minister who is, you know, um, just fallen out of ministry, right? Because of a uh, one decision, one bad decision, one weak moment. And I, I used to tell my leadership team all the time, we're, it takes years to build trust, but we're all one bad decision, one weak moment away from ruining it all. And it doesn't mean we're ruined as people. God still loves us and accepts us. And there's grace, obviously, but in terms of, you know, our leadership health and the people following us. So talk to us about a guardrail, a boundary that you've intentionally put in place, not just haphazardly, but this is an intentional thing that Aaron Kerr puts in place to ensure. It's just one way I ensure, you know, that I'm going to remain, keep my character in, intact. Yeah, so good. So good, man. Um, Yeah, I think one thing that I tried my best, and I like to use the term tried, to consistently do to the best of my ability is that I've realized in life um, a lot of people. And when I look at the, the, the analogy of like a fountain, a lot of people can that, that sprouts out. So uh, a lot of people can get close to the fountain, but only certain people should get close to your spirit. And I think Mm. that there is something that is so real about that, that you have to create, and I love the word boundaries because it's something that I consistently um, look at every single day as far as to the best of my ability. And, and one person who does that so beautifully, I mean, we know this from, from the fact that our wives will always tend to see sure. yep. uh, certain things that we are maybe not aware of to the best of Definitely. our ability or notice. Yep. And she keeps me um, so, so accountable uh, if, if I can use that to the best of my ability, but I, I realized that there are certain people, um, who are not called to touch your spirit, but there are certain people who are called to be around you. And right. so I, I've, I've allowed and, and have nurtured certain relationships where I know God has told me it doesn't need to cross that line. And I have done my best to the best of my ability to nurture that environment and that person to say, this is how far we go in conversation. This is how much I share of myself um, to that person, because there is something that people are still looking to and are still believing in and are still, um, you know, accountable to you in such a way that if you um, become so common, they, they will take you for granted. They right. will, right. you know, not really understand um, the place and the position also that you hold. So there's only certain people, um, that you can really, really be, be open and real with and true to, and still know at the end of the day, they're going to respect, you know, who you are and your calling, um, for, for what that is. And so one thing that I have truly, um, been proactive in is this one word trust. I want Mm. to be a person of trust. And one thing I learned, and I believe it was, and I have to acknowledge him in this point, I believe it was Craig Rochelle, who said that in order to trust someone, uh, you've got to trust again. (laughs) And so it was something so simple, but yet so true um, that 
sometimes in my way of believing that someone is for me, they have to meet my list. And this is something that I have slowly began to tear away that my list doesn't necessarily produce the best people for me. It's, wow. it's so true that, that what I think is right for me yeah. is not necessarily what God is seeing for me. Mm. And so many times I've limited the right relationships. So I've limited the right circles of people that would enhance and build and strengthen me in ways that I could have never been strengthened before, but because of my list, because of what I was told that this is what trust is, and this is what honor is, and this is what value is. And right. if someone right. really respects you, they'll do this. And if somebody really loves you, they'll do this. And yeah. if somebody really cares for you, they'll act like this. And so I was always told that this is what it looks like. And if they don't reciprocate that, then what? Get rid of them, delete them, take them out of your phone, take them mm. out of your contacts, you know, take yeah. them off of social media. And this is what I was told. I don't know about anybody else this year, sure. but this is what I was told. And so I had to go back to the drawing board and say, God, could you create that list for me that I need, not what I want, what I need. And, and so God began to really go through and work within me some things and some traits and some characteristics that I needed to develop because I thought I, I knew it all. I thought I was fine. I thought sure. it was great. And yeah. so these were some of the areas that I had to develop and, and, and really just begin to trust people that I didn't know to begin mm -hmm. to love people and see the value and also realize that there's something there that God wants you to learn in this season and take that season and, and grow in it, develop mm -hmm. in it, ask the tough questions, even with people. Like I think in this day and age, I want to encourage somebody like you don't need to know somebody for five years, 10 years to be able to learn something from them or lean yeah. in and be truthful. I'm, I'm the kind of person right now where I meet somebody and, and I don't know how long they're going to be for a season in my life or for a moment or for a time or for, sure. you know, however length lifetime, but I, I just go right at it, bro. I, I literally just start asking questions. I say like, Hey, I'm going through this. How, how do you deal with that? Right. Because I don't right. know who God could be sending me in that moment to help strengthen me, to help yeah. see a way through, to give clarity. And so I think with health and with growth and with, your own personal um, awareness of who you are and how God wants you to be. I think in this season of my life, maybe this is for someone, I, I don't think you got to be sitting there uh, trying to nurture the length of the relationship. I think you need to nurture the fact that you have a relationship in this season and there is someone who's yeah. willing to listen to you. There's someone that's willing to lean in and actually be real with you. If they're being real with you and you know them for two, maybe a week or two weeks, I think God is providing an avenue for you to just get something for yourself, to be able to produce something, to be able yeah. to develop, to be able to grow. So I'm not waiting on length anymore. I'm taking advantage of the time, the moments that God mm -hmm. is just pouring certain people to just be in my life that are invested, that are like, hey, I, I just called to just tell you that I, I care about you. I'm thinking about yeah. you. I'm praying for you. Like those are the things that I find are just nurturing it helps me um, in my overall growth. I really hope I'm still answering the question, but yeah, um, yeah. you know, I, no, I'm still, sure. you know, pushing, pushing forward um, in those things. And I think for me, it's all about what God um, Ecclesiastes says that, that there's a time and a season for everything under the sun. I think we need to stop yeah. looking at the length 
of what something produces. I think there are things that God sends right away to produce in your life right away. And mm-hmm. I'm taking that on. I'm, I'm allowing that to speak true because there are people that have been sent literally bro into my life and they've spoken a word in my life and that I've never seen them again because I know God just wow. wanted them there to speak yep. something of yep. life, to, to, to confirm something that I was questioning to, you know, to believe and to continually walk out something that God still wants to perform uh, in my life. So that's, that's the one word for me is trust. I'm opening up my door to trusting and, and believing in that. Mm, that's good. And it takes a real, yeah. it, it really does take a secure leader to be willing to do that, right? Like if you've got your yeah. own insecurities and struggles that you're dealing with, you're not going to be open to trusting yeah. people, let alone asking, Hey, what's something, you know, you're learning, or I want to learn and grow from you, even though I don't know you that well, like an insecure leader is just not going to do that. Right. And so that speaks to your own health and maturity and just what you've walked through and what God has been, you know, strengthening you in, in your, in terms of your own confidence and, and uh, security in him as well. So uh, I think that's awesome. Well, we do need to, uh, for the sake of time, get, get to wrapping this up, but uh, one more on on leadership um, health anyways, just, I, I have a core belief that leaders are learners and we've talked a lot about growth today and, and health as leaders. And so I'm just wondering if there's a, if there's a book, a podcast, uh, you mentioned Craig Rochelle a few moments ago, shout outs to him and his podcast, but maybe a webinar, a conference, any sort of training or just a resource you've come across in the last month or two that, I don't know, something you're, that's really speaking to you that you can just tell our, our listeners about that maybe they might want to check out themselves. Yeah, certainly. There's um, a book that I've been taking my time with right now by, um, gosh, I want to make sure that I explain this properly. Maybe this is where I I think um, it's called The Atomic Habits. Um, So it has to deal with, I believe it's, you could probably help me with the author. James Clear, I believe. James Clear. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I've been reading that book and um, actually my wife and I both have been reading it together and taking down some great, great, um, ways of just nurturing our behavior, Mm. um, you know, triggers, uh, dealing with cycles, dealing with patterns, dealing with all kinds of thoughts. And and one thing that resonated, a couple of things that resonate to encouraging in this moment that just because you have a thought doesn't mean you have to think it. That was something that we're kind of walking through. And yeah. allowing ourselves to be able to say, well, you know, this is entered, but I don't have to process it. I don't have right. to bring value to it. I don't have to give energy to it. Right. And so we've been pushing out certain things and being able to work through the right thoughts and the right thinking that, that God wants us to nurture for each other and to, mm. you know, develop. And then another point that really um, held that as I was reading it, my wife and I, we had this discussion and we talked about faith and doubt. And something about it just resonated with us that faith and doubt are both beliefs. You can have faith that something is going to work and then you can have doubt believing that it's not going to work. And, and this is the kind of thing that I want somebody to hear, even if it's only this in this moment, but it's like um, the enemy is not against our belief. Everybody's believing it's what, our beliefs are leaning into is it leaning into faith or is it leaning into doubt 
And mm-hmm. so this is something that we've been challenged as a couple that there are people, and I believe this, and whether people believe it or not, the enemy is out there trying to divide every relationship, trying to see um, relationships come down, friendships, connections, churches. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's trying to segregate. He's trying to uh, rip apart um, every person so that this denominational thing just separates us and keeps us away from each other. But there is something so strong in the kingdom that if if we could believe the right way, if we can put our belief into faith, believing that something is going to happen, that that I'm going to be well, I'm going to be healthy, I'm going to be strong, I'm going to see um, vivid church become what it needs to be um, in this season of my life, and and just know that what God has for me is going to take place. That. What I want to see, what I want to envision, as long as I keep moving, as long as I keep trusting and putting my belief into that, there's going to be an amazing outcome. So I yeah, think with good. that, it's, it's just really holding myself accountable, not to doubt, because many of us, we say things, but our belief inwardly is doubt. I'm, I'm just speaking right. it into the air. Yeah. And yet we don't really yeah. believe what we're saying. We're just saying it because another pastor said it or another church is maybe the sure. theme yeah. or this person is singing about it. So it's going to be my theme song. But that's where our belief has been is what other people are saying. Right. I want to I want to talk to somebody today who can just say, can you believe what God is saying? Not what somebody else is saying. Can you believe what God is saying and actually put your faith towards that and believe that what you want to see, if I keep moving not procrastinate, not stand still, just keep moving, moving forward, that God is going to order my steps. He's going to order my stops. He's going to believe that what he wants for me to do, I'm going to do it. What he doesn't want for me to do, I'm not. And I always believe this, that, and we pray this every single day, that God will make us allergic to the wrong people. I I, I just, I pray that every single day. God, Uh help me to be a person that doesn't attract the wrong person for our relationship or our connection. Help me to be allergic to that. Like, there's just something that happens yeah, that they just don't come around. But you just bring us the healthiest and the and the the greatest relationships that we need to enhance and to grow in who you've called us to be. So for whatever that is, faith and doubt are, are both beliefs. Mm. But I want to believe in the right thing. I want to point towards the right way. I want to. Uh, center myself, the, the apex of who I am wants to know deep down that, hey, there is something that God wants me to center on, to believe in, to trust in. There's that word trust again, to trust yeah. in yeah. and focus on that as I keep looking at it, he's going to make it clear and speak volumes in my life. So I'm, I'm, I'm just believing God, even just through that material and others that we've also read as well. I'm, I'm a big fan of Chris Hodges and yeah. uh, Levi Lesko. And there's, yeah. there's so many different books that I've read through that as well. And uh, that have helped to just nurture, um, you know, me personally, but also leadership and and different things like that, that have just been so helpful. So, yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. So good. That was a word belief and doubt are both, uh, uh, you know, faith and doubt are both beliefs and you got to believe in the right, the right stuff. That's good. Um, final, final thing, as we wrap this up, um, what would you say to, you know, somebody feeling a call of God on their life into vocational ministry, as you you even look back on your own young self, young Aaron coming out of Bible college, what would you say to a leader like that who's just stepping in, maybe their first ministry position? 
what would you say to them that would be helpful to them in this season as they're just starting out fresh? Wow. So good. Um, honestly, to that person today, um, I would say a couple of things. Uh, number one, um, what you have with you uh, is greater than those who are against you. I think mm. there is there is something about knowing the truth that sets you free. And, and I want to say this one word is, is freedom. Walk in freedom. Walk in who you are. Hear the voice of God. Get around people. Yeah. Get around spaces. Yeah. Get around people that you see that are doing what you want to really do mm. and nurture those relationships. Don't, don't be afraid to be in spaces that don't look like what you have yet. Like, don't be afraid to be in something bigger that maybe might pull certain elements out of you. It might make you feel yeah. uncomfortable but being in something that you've envisioned and something that you believed in. Don't give up on that. And I think that as, as a leader, someone who feels like they're just beginning and maybe they feel like there's an initiation process that you've got to kind of show yourself a certain way or do something a certain way or preach a certain way or be on sure. certain platforms to be able to be seen or noticed. And, and I just want to say, in, instead of you worrying about being on the platform, why don't you be the platform? Why don't you there be the person who is able to stand in the gap and nurture what God has deposited in you. We, we, we have too many people who are copying each other, sounding the same, you know, doing the whole thing. We need some people that can actually be the platform yeah. and say, listen, I'm, I'm going to be exactly who God asked me to be. I'm, I'm going to take the necessary steps. I'm going to endure the process. I'm going to be who I need to be in the dark. And God shines that light. Um, on me for my moment to shine and for my moment to be seen uh, in this season of my life. So I, I want to encourage that person, uh, maybe listening in this moment, that you're you're not um, you're not having to uh, think of yourself more lowly than you need to, or don't think of yourself more highly either. Uh, get yourself to the place yeah. where where you know um, I'm comfortable with me. I'm yeah. gonna take yeah. my time. I'm gonna study. I'm gonna do my courses successfully i'm gonna i'm gonna um hold my position as faithful as i can be diligent in that um because if if you're too um if, if i think there's a term where it says like if you're too high to serve then it's then then leading is below you or something along that mm -hmm. line but there's something that we we have to get to the place where servanthood is back again it, we yeah. got to get back to that place of servanthood we got to get back to that Good. place of doing the things that nobody else is doing so that God yeah. can give us what we could have never imagined. So serve, place yourself in places that you would have never uh, felt that maybe you deserve. Put yourself out there, be around leaders and talk and ask questions. Don't be afraid yes. to ask questions. Don't good. be afraid to be transparent, to be open. Like say, listen, I, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? Can you show me there, there's plenty of, people that if you ask i guarantee you uh someone will will come in and help yeah. along the way and 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 believe in what god has put in you so that's that's the best advice i could give is don't worry about the platforms but be the platform that's that's what i feel it's good uh, in my spirit right there and, you uh, heard it here first the real a ron kerr just said it <laughs> be the platform love it buddy. that is yeah. great and a great place to uh to end 
Um, and as, as people want to track along with you, your wife, your story, Vivid Church, where, where can people find you online if they wanted to, uh, to track along with the journey there, Aaron? Yeah, man. Uh, Vivid.church uh, is our website. You can see uh, the, the locations on there. So as I said, we've got one of the main campuses in Vancouver and uh, we are in Toronto. So we are the only other location, which is okay. such a blessing we get to Okay. Uh, start that out. And then also for Dana and I, uh, real Aaron Kerr on IG, uh, Dana is uh, dr underscore Isaacs at, so you are or dr underscore Isaacs. You can see her on there as well. Um, but we are both just, just excited for Jesus. We love communicating and talking and sharing our story. Um, trust me, there is more to us that, that we are still overcoming daily. Sure. Bro, you know already, I've, I've shared a bit of our story. Yeah. You know that yeah. we're still coming through some hurdles, some areas that we're just believing God for. But um, in the midst of all of it, we're just praising. We're excited. We are um, pumped to see what God is going to do in this season of, of mm. our life. And so, yeah, reach out to us, connect with us in any way possible we actually worship every sunday if i can put that out there every sunday 4 p.m um at the salvation army um in toronto which is 789 dover court road there it is. in toronto so definitely we are there every sunday and we'll be excited to awesome to meet and, and have relationship with anyone there amen that's it that's so it. good man i really do appreciate you and uh your friendship and just appreciate you doing this yes. and speaking to our to our listening audience today. So thanks for this. Well, there you have it. My conversation with Aaron, such a real down-to-earth dude. And I just appreciate him so much. And uh, even our text and, and email, our communications back and forth just are always so uplifting. And he's just such an encourager. Just love this guy so much and uh, was grateful to have him on the podcast today. So if this conversation has been beneficial for you, it's helped you in any way, shape or form, as always, just ask you to go ahead and share that on your socials or leave a like or a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Again, we do this in an attempt to ensure health in your leadership because we believe, once again, that leadership really does matter. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters Podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.